Hello, and welcome to episode 118 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. First, a warm welcome to Angela M. and Mark J. to The Modern Manager community. I look forward to connecting with you both on Slack and having you join the conversations with the other wonderful community members. If you're listening and not yet a member, I hope that you'll consider giving yourself the gift of joining our community. Starting at just $2 a month, you can be part of our Slack conversations. And of course, there are additional membership tiers that come with other benefits if you're into that too. Check it out at themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a nonprofit or government agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. Now, today's guest is Amy K. Hutchins. Amy K. is an international award-winning speaker, Amazon best-selling author of the brand new book, Get It, Five Steps to the Sex, Salary, and Success You Want and has over 19 years experience training and consulting with clients such as The Home Depot, Starbucks Canada, Expedia, and Lockheed Martin. She's also honored to be the designated cool aunt in her family. Amy Kay and I talk about building buy-in for your vision, how to ask for what you want, how to have a disarmingly tough conversation, and how to create an environment where your team feels comfortable asking you for what they want. Now, here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Amy Kay. I am really excited to chat with you. Our pre-conversation, I just, I feel like we could have had a pre-conversation that went on for three hours, but we have to actually record a show. So let's get into it. Perfect. All right. So I have talked about how to have difficult conversations on this podcast a few different times, but what I want to talk with you about is like a version of that, which is how do you ask for what you want? Because that's a different kind of difficult conversation, I think. I I don't know if you feel that way, if that's just like there are multiple kinds of difficult conversations and one of them is asking for what you want. I think that one of the things that we forget is that one, we have the worth of our own voice, but two, somebody else has the worth of their voice. And so when it comes to asking for what you want, I always believe in the law of reciprocity that, you know, there's another person, there's another human satient being sitting across from you that has his or her own wants. And one of the things that I think that happens in meetings a lot is that managers will come to them and they'll be like, here's my agenda. You know, here's, here's what I want done. Here's my objectives, my goals. And one of the first things that I've seen separate like mediocre managers from brilliant ones is they're often co-creating agendas. They're literally putting out, hey, I've got this strategy or I've got this operational plan, but your voice matters. And so they're constantly running their meetings with inclusivity and engagement through the use of what I call these really awesome, brilliant, like bigger, better, better, bolder questions. It's so interesting because what, you, what it sounds like is part of being a great manager is not to worry so much about what you want and instead to focus on what others want. It's really about giving people the opportunity to buy in to that vision or that strategy or that operational or financial or cultural plan. And so to just kind of take theory and make it super practical, because I'm a practical gal, it's the difference between me sending you an Outlook invite that says, hey, we got a meeting on Tuesday about marketing at 9 a.m. Or here's the difference. I send you that invitation. And I start it with a question. And I'm a big curator of magical phrases. Maybe I love magical phrases. And so 
one of my favorite is how might we? And so I'll say something like, you know, how might we penetrate the San Antonio market? Or how might we have one of the best brand campaigns, you know, we've ever had? But I'm doing it as a how might we? In other words, I'm creating space for possibility. I'm creating space for conversation. And your voice matters. I want to know what you think. And so it's, it's, the, it's the difference between it's my meeting versus when we get there, it's our meeting. And I always joke, nobody really wants to go to another meeting, but everybody loves to go to a robust conversation. And so the minute that I pose the top of the agenda with this incredible overarching question, people are thinking and, and they know that they're going to have to come and play. So I also love the how might we question. It's one of my absolute favorites. Are there other kind of magical phrases, as you mentioned, that are helpful for getting people to share what's on their mind? Yeah, there's a bunch of them. I mean, we, we could talk for hours on that. I think one of the things where I would, I would start is the idea that we want questions that are obviously open-ended. That's nothing new, right? The best questions that trigger the highest forms of thinking are reflective and they're evaluative and they're predictive. And so they're these open-ended opportunities for people to really reflect and think and then predict. And so one of the things that I love to do is in addition to the how might we question is a lot of times people will show up either late to a meeting or their brains aren't fired up and ready to go. And I'm a, I'm a total neurological geek. And so I get excited about this. But the idea of putting that question ahead of time and then asking people to send one or two questions back to you. So for instance, let's say I, I send out that, how might we have like the best marketing campaign? I won't stop there. Then I'll say, okay, Mamie, send me two questions that you think we should be asking and answering in the meeting. And then here's what's so great about it. You have to think about those two questions. You send them to me before the meeting even starts. And then when we all sit down, there's an agenda of questions in front of us that we've all co-created. And that's one of the biggest differences that I've seen in my career that really helped me is that I run my meetings on agendas of co-created questions. So that when we all sit down, it's collectively our input and we've already started to think about solving the problem. And so I don't know if you've ever gone to a meeting that was like a total waste of time or like the entire like vent session. You avoid all that by forcing people to play before it even starts. I love, 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 love this. And I've done this in meetings where I call it question storming, but I've never done it as pre-work to a meeting. So that's just a great way to get people engaged beforehand. And I'd imagine that there might even be people you'd ask for those questions who don't actually need to come to the meeting, but you do need to know what are the questions that they need answered in order to kind of move things forward. Yes. And I think, you know, one of the things that I love in meetings too is that really great managers are not micromanagers. They set up their people to be successful. Part of that's giving them the resources and the tools that they need. And then, so all of that's pre and then post. I always believe in everybody in a meeting should have something to do coming out of that meeting or it was a waste of their time. Like they didn't need to be there. They could have just sent you their questions. And so I'm always a big believer of asking your people, you're either offering to do something yourself as a manager or you're requesting something from them. And so I'll often say like one of those magical phrases that gives people a much bigger sense of control is, would you be willing? So if I said to you, you know, would you be willing to start phase one or would you be willing to follow up with so-and-so by asking it as a, would you be willing? 
I'm allowing you to say of your own discernment, yes, I would be willing. Now, sometimes you'll have a team member that'll come back and they'll be like, no, I'm, I'm not willing to do that. And then you go, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe what would you be willing to do? And then you tell me of your, again, of your own discernment, what it is that you want to do. But what's fascinating about this is it's a very gentle way of putting guardrails around actions coming out of a meeting while also letting people feel very much in control that this is an autonomous choice. I'm choosing to participate. I'm choosing to engage. And having that autonomy is so important, right? And, you know, I see this with teams where, you know, managers are like, how do I get my people to step up? Like, how do I get my people to like be proactive? And I can imagine that this is a great strategy to kind of start that ball rolling, but without, you know, being the dictator who says, okay, here are your tasks, but you're kind of opening the door for them to, to opt in. I think it's really important that people feel that they're not being overmanaged, you know, that, and this is just me personally, you know, I've, I've never done well with authority, <laughs> I'll just be honest about that. But I also know that you have to hire really good people. And when you hire really good people, you then need to let those people go shine. And that's your job as a leader, is to really let their talent, their expertise, their insights blossom under your leadership and not be stifled by it. And so one of the things that I think that's just fascinating is just a human dynamic is those leaders that are more secure hire really brilliant, creative people. And those that are more insecure feel threatened by them. And so again, some of that's like understanding your own psychology, but when you, when you believe that the vision is so important, then you hire people to execute on that vision. And then you let them go do it. So I want to kind of dig into a dimension of this. One person I know recently was really struggling because she was moved from the team that she was on where she was doing really well to a new team and her new boss was just a complete jerk. And so we were talking about, you know, how do you get what you need from your manager so that you can be successful in your role? Like sometimes it's the manager's it's like they're either they're unaware or it's maybe a stylistic thing, but you find yourself in a situation where you're working for someone who you just don't click with. And is there a way that you can kind of talk to them about getting more freedom or more autonomy or whatever it is that you need them to do or not do so that you can actually flourish? You know, it's interesting. I will play devil's advocate on this one. I sort of feel like this is the three strikes I'm out. (laughs) And what I mean by that is sometimes you can't rationalize the irrational. And so I am going to, I'll absolutely share some really great conversation tips, but I want to start with the overarching. Sometimes the very best thing that you need to do is you need to recognize the worth of your own life and your own experience. And that's why I say three strikes, I'm out. I'm willing to have three tough conversations with you, but if at some point you make my life miserable, then I'm leaving. And just to give you a little story around that, I was working in New York, this is years ago, but I was transferred out of the San Diego office to New York for about, I'm gonna say like a three to four month period. And at the end of it, I just quit the New York opportunity. I was like, I'm, I'm working for a crazy lady. Like I'm, I'm actually, this woman is just certifiably insane. But I chose to walk away. And that's, that's again, that's self-respect. That's a sense of self-worth. On the flip side, if you're working for somebody that's just difficult, or even if you have a difficult team member, one of the things that I always say is to lean in 
and understand where they're coming from and what their concerns are. So it might be something like, let's just say you screamed at me yesterday. Like you yelled at me. It was totally inappropriate. It was egregious. And you're also my boss. So the next day I would say, hey, you know, yesterday, Mamie, you sounded so frustrated. It seems like this project's really important to you. And I'm wondering what I can do or what we can plan that's going to make you feel more certainty about my performance or that would reduce your stress levels. Um, do you need me to check in more? Do you need me to communicate? Is there something that I can do that will actually make you feel better about what's going on? And what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm recognizing that you're upset. I'm recognizing that you're frustrated. Maybe you'll share something with me. Now, if it happens again, then I'm going to draw a line in the sand. Instead of connecting, I'm going to have some, a power play with you. And I always talk about in conversations, there's only one of two choices. You are either going to use connection or you are going to use your own personal power. You don't get to do both, or very rarely you get to do both. So that was a connect. I was seeking out to really understand you. The next conversation is going to be a power play. And it's going to be, you know, you sounded really frustrated this morning. And I want to I wanna understand. So give me the thought behind the comment that you made. And then you share the comment. I need to understand what's going on. And then you can say, you know, this project's really important to me. The results are really important to me. It's also really important to me that we have a respectful interaction. And so I'd really like us to go forward and talk respectfully to each other. Now, notice what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't yell at me. I'm not saying stop yelling at me because we know the brain is incredibly sensitive to semantics. So I don't actually want to reinforce the wrong behavior. I want to reinforce the behavior that I do want. So I want us to speak respectfully. I want us to talk in, in tones that say, you know, we're both prioritizing the project and we respect the expertise that's brought to the table. And then the third conversation can be even more definitive. It could be, hey, you know what? This is no longer working. This is no longer acceptable to me. We either have to do X, Y, or Z in order to move forward. And that's why I say it's like three strikes, I'm out. Now, I know, and I, th I think it's really important to say that, not everybody has those options. Like, not everybody's got the ability financially or personally to make that, hey, I'm about to walk. So then here's what you have to do. You have to change the conversation with yourself about what you're willing to put up with and why while still having some definitive boundaries so that you're not abused. And that's a lot. That was a mouthful. Yeah, but it's so important because, you know, I feel like we avoid these conversations. I, mean, I just had a, a you know, a, a heated conversation with someone recently and it was clear that we're kind of like talking past each other and kind of weren't connecting on that human level of what's going on and why are we fighting about this. And I haven't gone back to her yet. Because it's hard to go back and even just start that second conversation to say, you know, what's going on? I realized we both really weren't acting our, in our best selves at that time. Like, here's what was going on for me. What was going on for you? Like, I haven't got, gone to do that because it's hard. It's scary. Like, right? There it is scary. It is. And I, okay, so here's, here's kind of what I've been doing for 28 years. This is why this is so important to me. I 100% believe in every cellular level of my body that the life that you want is on the other side of a tough conversation just full stop and so it is about going back but it's about going back with a preparation and a planning and some magical phrases and some framing to the conversation that sets you both up for success so this is great one of the things that i think that we don't give ourselves permission to do 
is to go back and take the responsibility of not, not that she messed up or he messed up or that you messed up, but to say, hey, you know what? The other day we had a conversation where I felt like I reacted, like I got triggered. Today I want to have a conversation with a much more thoughtful response. I want to hear you. I really want to hear you. And I want to receive what it is that you have to say. And so what's fascinating is, is I'm handing them some power, but I'm not giving my power away. What I'm saying is, I want to hear you. I want to understand you. So what you've done is you've taken some wind out of their sails. Now, they might have already pulled out a pin from the hand grenade that they were getting ready to throw because they were feeling all defensive. Let them throw it. You know, they might come back and they might say to you, well, you were, you did overreact. And then rather than feeding it and getting defensive, you say, I did. And they're like, oh, you know, I, I didn't expect you to say that. Now, you haven't said that you're wrong. You haven't said that he or she is right. What you're saying is, I'm going to take this conversation and play it differently today. I, I'm not about me. I'm about what it is that we're both trying to get at. And here's the great thing. When somebody is in a, in a really difficult conversation, what typically happens is they get defensive and they'll deflect or they'll sidetrack the conversation and go down what I call the bunny hole. And so sometimes you have to say, hey, that's not what this conversation is about. I want to talk about this. So for instance, if this person said to you, well, maybe, you know, what you said was ridiculous, you can say, okay, that's a separate conversation and I'm totally willing to talk about that. But in this particular conversation, I just really want to understand your perspective. I want to hear more. I want to know your version. And so a great phrase, another magical phrase in all of this would be, I have this story in my head and it's just made up. And so if I come to you and I start with, hey, you know, this is really hard for me. This is a really tough conversation. There might be moments that are uncomfortable, but I am willing to walk through it because I care so much about the outcome or I care so much about our relationship. The other day I reacted and now I want a thoughtful response. And I have this story in my head that we weren't really understanding each other, that I was triggering you. Is that true? Like, is, is that story true? And so when you say all these things, you're leaning in to connect and you're taking the, the wind out of their defensive sails so that you can actually have a constructive conversation. That makes so much sense. And I'm wondering if you're on the opposite side of it, meaning if I'm the manager and you know, I want to create an environment where my team members can come to me and say, this isn't working for me, or, you know, this, this behavior that you have isn't working, or, you know, I, I I'm feeling too overwhelmed by everything that's on my plate or whatever it is, or, you know, that they need to ask, or, you know, I, I want to ask for a raise, whatever those things are that they want to ask for, that they want to open the conversation on. Are there things that we can do as the manager to create an open, safe, like signal to them that we are here and willing to have those conversations with them? Yes, absolutely. And I think that one of the best places to start is to explain the thought process behind your decisions or your actions. And so if you, if you come to me and you ask for a raise and I just say yes or no, it doesn't help you to understand my decision-making process, even with the yes. Like you'll, you'll walk out of there, you know, smiling, but you don't really understand the story of why I'm saying yes. And so it's really important, no matter 
whether somebody agrees with you or disagrees or, or denies you something that you want, you need to understand what's going on in that decision. So for instance, I might be saying yes, because now I'm thinking, well, okay, then I'll increase your travel 30%, or I'm going to, I'm going to send you over to another project or another team, or I'm going to ask X, Y, Z, which was not a part of what you thought was coming down the pipe. And so even when you get that yes, it's important to say, okay, now tell me the thought process behind that. Now the flip, if I told you no, I also need to explain that thought process. And then if we flip it again, and you're the one that's asking for the raise, one of the worst things that you can do is go to your manager and just say, hey, I work really hard, I want to raise. I mean, it's like, it's the worst way to approach it. The, and, and so one of the things that I always say is if you want to raise, the very first question you should ask your manager is, how might we make me a more integrated, successful team player? Like, how do we map that strategy for me to be able to contribute more, be either more laser focused or take on more responsibility or step up, whatever. And then as a reflection of your willingness to do that, you're asking for compensation or more flexibility or yes, that increase in salary. Maybe you're looking for a title promotion. But I think it's really important to understand if we go full circle back to the law of reciprocity, what's in it for the manager? What's in it for his or her vision? What's in it for the team? And then why would that be worth something? And that's a very different conversation by, by the way, if I said to you, you're my boss, if I said, oh, maybe, you know, let's, let's look at the next six months and how I might become a more successful integrated team player. That's a very different conversation than, hey, maybe I'm, I'm looking for a raise. Completely. And I can see how, you know, I want to raise is like, I've done all these things. I deserve to be paid more. And how can I be a more integrated, more successful player? And how can I step up my game is going forward, I want to do even better. Like just looking at that past versus future and what do I deserve and what do I want to be? It feels like completely different conversations. It is. And it's so funny. So I'll go back. So well, I, I mentioned when we were talking before, I was an elementary school teacher for years and then I went corporate. And one of my, one of my favorite corporate stories is I was in charge of IT and, and a myriad of other things, but the, the director of IT walked into my office. You cannot make this stuff up. And he was like, I deserve a raise. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I want a $10,000 increase starting tomorrow. And I said, well, let's back up for a second. I said, I'm totally open to this. I'm absolutely open to it. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go draft a plan that either tells me why you should have been making 10,000 and then what you're going to do going forward that maybe you'll earn that 10,000 or more. But I need the plan that says, this is what I do that's worth it. I never got the plan. I never <laughs> got it. And so it just, it told me that he wasn't even willing to sit down. I mean, who, who, it could have been a one page plan. I wasn't asking for like, I didn't say it had to be 25 pages, but what's fascinating is, is like, the minute that I made him go think or do work, he wasn't interested. And it was, so it's, it's classic to me. If somebody really wants it, there's a very different conversation to have. And that is, how can I play better? Yeah. And I, you know, some of the things I coach my clients on is how to create the environment for your own success. So if you have a manager who has a different style than you have, what is it that you can do that's in your control to set yourself up for success, right? And that might be something like going to your manager and saying, 
I need more quiet space. Like I focus better when I'm not sitting out in the open environment, right? It's a little different now because we're all working from home, but you know, when we all return back to work or in the past, right, there are different things that can happen where you need to be the owner of your success and you need to come up with your plan and you need to go to your boss and say, I know myself. This is what I need to be successful and I want to be successful and I want to contribute more to this team, right? And when you show that initiative and you show that you're taking this seriously and it's not just about you, it's about something bigger, right? It's about the team. It's about the organization, right? Your manager is much more likely to respond positively than if you just go to them and say like, this isn't working for me. I don't feel like this is working. That's a a non-starter. I think that you just nailed it. And I think that's that you're starting with what it is that they want and what's important to them. So it kind of, it's that classic reinforcement of I need, I need, I want, I want versus you have a desire, you have an outcome and this want that I have will help you get there. And so I love the idea that you just said, you know, you lead with the team plan or or the, the manager's goal and then you say, hey, you know, this project's really important to us and I'm so excited and I want to actually knock it out of the park. And it would mean so much to me if I could have some quiet space, if I could have a chance to focus because I want to nail this. And so that all of a sudden is a very, again, a very different request than I need, I need, I need. Completely. All right. So we have to shift gears a little bit because we are running out of time, but I feel like we could just keep going, but we have to stop. So Can you tell us about an amazing manager that you had the privilege of working for and what made this person so fantastic? It's going to sound a little crazy, but I'm going to go back to a boss that I had way early in my career in the early 90s. And I think what made him so amazing was the amount of autonomy that he gave me to do my job my way. And It sounds kind of goofy in this day of modern, you know, email and text messaging and all the stuff that we do. But about once a quarter, I would get a handwritten note from him. And it wasn't the, oh, good job, which just drives me crazy. You know, that insincere, not specific phrase that means nothing. It was always very specific phrase. And it would come a little bit out of the blue. And it would be so specific that I knew, one, He was actually observing what I was doing, that he was paying attention to my performance, and that he was appreciating something that either nobody else could see or that was very hard for other people to observe. Like in his role, it had to have been something that only really he could like know about or was was privy to. And it meant so much to me. Because I realized this guy actually cares. And of course, you know, my type A people pleasing overachieving personality was like, this is awesome. But it wasn't so often also too that like you could just brush it aside and be like, oh yeah. And that's one of the things that I would highly encourage a really brilliant manager is to take the moment, whether it's a handwritten note or if it's just a conversation, but take it out of email, you know, take it out of the text message, take it out of the voicemail and personalize really sincere, specific feedback to your people. So beautiful. And I completely agree that when we take the time to show meaningful and authentic appreciation, it, it just serves us so well in all of our other conversations that we have to have with that person. So now tell us, where can people learn more about you, Amy Kay, and all the work that you're up to? 
It's so easy. So my first name, four letters, amyk.com is a great place to start. And one of my core values is generosity. So if you go to amyk.com, we have tons of free resources. Our most popular tool is the conversation prep planner, which I mentioned earlier. I just believe in prepping for a conversation, setting yourself up for success, especially when it's a difficult one on the horizon. So that's free. And then you can follow me on Instagram at Amy K. Hutchins, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. So we are, we are in all those spots, but I really encourage you to go to amyk.com and just take advantage of all the free resources. Thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation. I really appreciate having you today. Thanks for inviting me. That was such an energizing conversation. If you want more from Amy Kay, members of the Modern Manager community get $100 off her online course, The Power of Profitable Conversations. To become a member and get that discount, plus lots of other amazingly useful guest bonuses, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. Don't forget, if you work for a nonprofit or government agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. You can find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T eor.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.